that's kind of the really cool thing is that when implementers work with leadership teams, they start off with this path to helping create clarity around vision and execution. What ends up happening over sometimes it's a couple of years of working with the team is that they're, they're transforming the human energy of how people love to work together, how people love to just be uh, and enjoy the work rather than just be in the work. And it's so tough. This is the Beats Working Show. We're on a mission to redeem work, the word, the place, and the way. I'm your host, Mark Wright. Join us at Winning the Game of Work. Welcome to Beats Working, Winning the Game of Work. On the show this week, the Entrepreneurial Operating System. EOS is known in business circles as one of the most successful coaching brands in the world, but I found out it's not just about business, it's about life. EOS was founded by entrepreneur Gino Wickman to help business owners of small and medium-sized businesses structure and run their companies in a way that leads to success in all areas of their lives. Kelly Knight joined the company eight years ago as the first full-time employee. Today, she's the company's president and integrator. In the EOS world, there are basically two top leaders at any company. There's a visionary and there's an integrator, basically a chief operating officer. So under Kelly's leadership, EOS has grown exponentially from 100 to 700 implementers or coaches, and today 200,000 businesses run on the entrepreneurial operating system. So what is EOS's secret sauce? I engage Kelly Knight in a wide-ranging conversation. We cover setting goals, accountability, even some lessons from her dad, and so much more. I'll tell you, though, the refreshing part is how simple Kelly Knight's business and life philosophy is. She says it's about being light in the world and love to the people in your life at home and at work. I hope this episode gets you thinking about what your operating system is, because the right one can take you and your business to unimaginable heights. Kelly Knight, President and Integrator of EOS Worldwide, welcome to the Beats Working Podcast. It's so good to have you here. Mark, it is so great to be here. Thank you for having me. Well, one of the reasons that I've been so looking forward to having you on the podcast, Kelly, is that EOS, I think, is for people not in the hardcore business community, nobody knows who EOS is, but people who are serious business owners and entrepreneurs, they all know EOS. And in its ability to transform people and businesses, this is uh, such an exciting company, such an exciting process that you take companies through. So looking forward to that. Kelly, let me start just by, let's say you're in an elevator and somebody asks you, what do you do for a living? And you say EOS and they like turn their head and they don't know what you're talking about. Just for the person who may not have heard about EOS, what is it? So EOS stands for Entrepreneurial Operating System. And really, Mark, what it is is a simple, practical set of tools and a process and a system for helping entrepreneurs get everything they want from their business and live their ideal lives. That's it. So it's uh, coaching coaching. Uh, it's a it's a business as well. Explain, break that down. Sure. It's broken down into three primary components. We have books that uh, the flagship book is called Traction, written by Gino Wickman, the 
founder, creator of all things EOS. We also have what's called EOS implementers, and those are business coaches that meet with entrepreneurs and their leadership teams and really take them through that simple, practical set of tools, process, system, and model to help them get what they want from their business. And from there, those leadership teams then take EOS all the way through their business is the goal so that they can truly uh, focus on the business, working on the business in a more simple, easy way to get the results that they're looking for. And then last and not least is an online platform. So our website. We've got something called Basecamp that has all of the tools that are available for download and videos and all kinds of great, amazing content that really kind of curates the best of what EOS is to help entrepreneurs and leadership teams. So Kelly, tell me when somebody comes to EOS and they own a business, where do you start? So we really start by helping teams define their vision. Uh, that starts uh, very early on is really where do you want to go as an organization? And from there, it's creating something that's called a VTO that stands for Vision Traction Organizer. And it's eight simple questions that help entrepreneurs and leadership teams really define what their vision is and how they'll get there, starting with core values, core focus. That's the thing that you're most passionate about, passion, purpose, cause, and mission. Uh, that also leads to a core target, which is your BHAG, your bigger-than-life goal that you may be wanting to achieve. And when is that? What is it that you're defining that to be? It's your marketing strategy and your three-year picture. And then on the flip side is the traction side. That's how you're going to get there. And that's your one-year goals, your quarterly rocks, as Stephen Covey would have said. And uh, then also the issues list. So it's this really super simple document that helps channel human energy around where you're going as an organization. And then there's a tremendous amount of tools and a process that then helps you to really work that plan over time. And, um, you know, you'll notice that a lot of it is based upon human energy. So when we say that, we mean when we talk to leadership teams, they're often very frustrated. Entrepreneurs have hit the ceiling. They're not sure where to go next. And so EOS really kind of distills everything, clarifies it down to the most essential components so that a team can focus on that and run a better, easier business. That's really what EOS does. And from personal experience, coming into EOS, I was in the financial services industry. So I did not come from this world. This was all very new to me. Um, I had not run a business on EOS. I had not been an EOS implementer, hadn't even read traction up until the time that I interviewed for the role of integrator. Um, and, but I, I, went through the process. It's the most amazing role that I've ever had. And the question I get asked most often is what's the unexpected great of being the integrator or running EOS worldwide. And it's that I did understand how the tools helped entrepreneurs get what they want from their business, but the unexpected great is how it changes people's lives for the better. So really interesting ways that that plays itself out, but fundamentally helping teams to learn how to solve issues, what we call IDS, to identify, discuss, and solve problems and issues better together. So while we've been communicating since we were babbling as babies, somehow even as adults, the thing that we struggle with most is communication. And so when you learn how to communicate really well amongst each other in the work that we do day in and day out running our businesses, that also then translates to at home. So I feel like personally I'm 
a better wife, a better mother, a better friend, a better daughter, uh, a, a better boss as a result of EOS. Um, and we'll jokingly, but not jokingly say that when I came here, I thought I was a pretty good manager leader. And I realized I got schooled up pretty quickly that that really wasn't as true as I, I had hoped it was. So that's kind of the really cool thing is that when implementers work with leadership teams, they start off with this path to helping create clarity around vision and execution. What ends up happening over, sometimes it's a couple of years of working with the team, is that they're, they're transforming the human energy of how people love to work together, how people love to just be uh, and enjoy the work rather than just be in the work and it's so tough. You know, so... Um, you know, in the spirit of the audience that we're talking to, it's how do we make work uh, loving the work? How do we yeah. get to the point where we love the work and we're not just doing the work? We're in the being rather than the doing. And I think that's what EOS really helps entrepreneurs and teams to do. What you just did is define our mission, and that is to redeem work. So it's so cool that EOS actually does that. As you were talking, Kelly, it made me think that a lot of business consulting companies will come in and they'll kind of look at the, you know, they'll look at the financial documents, they'll look at the business model, they'll look at what, what the business does, and then they'll say, well, why don't you try doing this? And it's it's very focused and it's not sort of global. And I don't think that it touches on, you know, the happiness and well-being of the owner of the business outside of work. And it sounds like EOS really is aware of the business owner and the manager's like goals, life goals as, as human beings, not just how do we optimize the business, right? That's right. We actually have a phrase for that, and it's called the EOS life. It's actually coined by Don Tinney, who was Gina Wickman's business partner. So Gina Wickman is the visionary creator of all things EOS, uh, CEO in some circles might call it that. And his business partner was Don Tinney, very different humans, by the way, Don Tinney, just very, very different, more um, not as outgoing as maybe Gino is, but the integrator, the original integrator of EOS. And so he coined the EOS life as five things. And that is doing what you love with people you love, making a huge difference, being compensated appropriately with time for other passions. And so I feel like that really encapsulates everything that EOS ultimately ends up becoming to the world. Uh, and it's not just for the entrepreneur or just for leadership team members. It's really for everyone, ultimately, um, when done the right way. So it's the simplicity of how do you get there by using a practical, simple set of tools and a process. But the kind of the secret piece to it is the cherry on top. And that's the EOS life. Yeah. And that's the magic that you don't know and you can't fully appreciate until you've been through the process. It's like this journey of mastery and a journey that never ends and just getting a little bit closer to achieving, you know, those five components of the EOS life that help you to live a better life at work and at home wherever it is that you're, where you are, that you feel and believe that that's possible. And Gina will say in the book, The U.S. Life, there's actually a whole other book dedicated to this. He will say, the thing is, is most people don't believe they deserve it. So the key is that you believing that you deserve those five things. And how do you get just a little closer every quarter, every month, every day, every year? However you measure. There's such wisdom to that because, I mean, what's the point of starting a business if it doesn't lead to success and happiness and fulfillment. And it seems like so many business owners get pulled into the, the drudgery and the work and the hours. And 
pretty soon they're working 12, 16 hour days and they have no time with their families. And it's like, what's, what's the point of that lifestyle, right? That's right. Well, no entrepreneur said ever, I want to start this business so that I can live in pain and misery and my team can too, <laughs> right? Nobody would say that. But yet that can accidentally happen. We are passionate about something that we believe we can serve the world with. We start building an organization, um, sometimes suffering from warm body syndrome where we're bringing in Uncle Harry and Cousin Susie because that's who's in our universe to start the company and that works for a little while. But then soon as organizations grow through grit and determination, they also hit a wall. And so it can be very frustrating. And so entrepreneurs get stuck sometimes and just need a little bit of help to get unstuck and get refocused to help them reach the goals that they want to reach. And that's what, you know, we will say we happen to love our own operating system. But the key is, is as an entrepreneur, just pick one. That's the EOS creed. Pick an operating system, just one, and stick with it. There's lots of others out there in the world. So you just have to find the one that's the right fit for you and your team and then stick with it. But the consistency of running an organization on an operating system yields far greater results and predictability than not running on one. And so myself, I had been in business for 18 years, had never even heard of an operating system like this, had never had sort of curated my own, cobbled it together. And what a blessing to come into EOS and see it this way, because it was far better than anything I had ever created and much more efficient. I wished that I had seen that 15 years before. Um, so that's kind of our mission is to be this beacon of light to say, look, it, it, there is an easier path, a better way to do the work that you love and to make a bigger, greater impact through your work by running on an operating system that just helps that glide easier than it would otherwise. Kelly, when we talked a couple of months ago, you said the secret sauce of EOS. And just as we've been talking now, you said it's not about business, it's about life. And you have a story about two brothers that you say really illuminates that point. That's right. Well, I was at a quarterly meeting where implementers get together and I was talking to one of them and asked, how'd your quarter go? What was the best thing that happened with the client? And this implementer said, oh, I've got the best story. There were these two brothers in a family business, ready to go under, close up shop, sort of as a last ditch effort, they had hired me to be their EOS implementer. So I come in and I start working with them and I just start doing EOS. And a year later, get together for their annual meeting. And not only was the company not going under, but it was thriving at that point and making money and back on track. And everybody's in, working in harmony with one another, solving issues while achieving targets. And I say, oh, this is great. That's fantastic news. And he said, no, 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 that wasn't the best part. The best part was that not only had that been true, but that this family who had been broken for so long had enjoyed Thanksgiving dinner for the first time in a decade. And, and that, you know, is the kind of thing that really gets me emotional because it's the true impact, the legs and the reach of EOS that go far beyond, you know, what's actually taught by an implementer or in a downloadable tool. That's really life-changing stuff where families are made whole. And uh, so that's pretty rewarding to be a little tiny piece of that. That's such a great story. I love it. That's worth more than any amount of money that, that a business makes just to have a, a moment like that. Um, tell me a little bit more, Kelly, about the you, you grew a financial services uh, industry business and, and then sold it. You had a lot of success before you even joined EOS. I'd love to know 
what you credit that to and what lessons did you learn during that time in your life? Absolutely. So I spent 18 years in the financial services industry, originally sort of coming out of college and becoming a financial advisor and trying some different things. But really uh, where I found a lot of my growth occurred is when I, when I did a startup in Newport Beach, California for a company called United Capital. And it was a registered an RIA, managed money business. And it was started from the ground up. And um, so quite literally, it's showing up with a backpack and a folding chair. That's how startup that startup was. <laughs> and uh, what was learned through that journey was the role of curiosity and the role of simply just being open to learning and doing things differently all the time. Because of course, you're almost in a laboratory pulling levers and trying different things to figure out how we're going to build a business based off of an idea that, that had been, that we had. And so the, you know, while my expertise at the time might have been in one area of advisory operations, we were actually building a technology platform. And uh, because of that interest, I had gone and knocked on the door of the CTO and the leader there and said, I am really interested in seeing how we can collaborate on some things. Let's go try it. And out of that was born some really cool innovations and but more importantly, just amazing collaboration and outcomes that wouldn't have occurred had we not worked on things together. So it was a, doing a startup generally is one of the best things that I've ever experienced because it just requires an, an amazing amount of ingenuity, open-mindedness, uh, learner profile, uh, coping, uh, having grit and resilience when things don't work and don't go your way and how to recover from that. And I think that that particular um, journey that I had had reframed my thinking sort of like what uh, Dan Sullivan now calls in his book, 10X is easier than 2X. If you've not read it, it's a really great read, but it's all about how do you 10X your impact and results in the world versus the 2X kind of growth that we all do sort of naturally and organically if we really don't change a whole heck of a lot. And that's what that experience really taught me and that I brought forward is to always just be open to those possibilities and that really none of any of that is possible without putting people first. So it's probably at the end of the day, the culmination is two things, the curiosity and the learner profile, and also putting people first above all else, um, because it's through people that change really occurs until, until there's a, and hopefully there isn't a time in the world when AI completely takes over everything that there are no people anywhere <laughs> doing any work there, uh, that so long as people are part of business, putting people first always pays and rewards most. I've heard you say that your father was the first person who showed you how to take an idea and make it real. That's, right. that's a pretty profound statement to say about, about a parent. Tell me a little bit about your dad and, and why you say that. Oh, he's he's just the neatest guy. He's turning 82 in January and always been really close to him. But he's a visionary himself. And so he sort of by trade was an engineer for General Motors. And he would come home at night. And he would have always lots of ideas, carpentry work or projects that he would be doing around the house, even uh, fixing the kitchen sink disposal or whatever it might be. He would get out a notepad. He was a visual teacher. And so he would write down exactly like, this is how this works. This is what I'm thinking is going to fix it. And then we would sit and talk about it. And then we would go and do it. So it was the first real demonstration of someone who had an idea visionaries, entrepreneurs in the world, 
and is sort of defining what it is that we're looking to do. What's the goal? How are you know, and then how are we going to get there? And then we go out, test, tinker, hone and refine and figure out how to solve that problem, whatever that might be, whether it's, you know, we built this enormous bookshelf or again, fixing something in the home. And so that really kind of stuck with me because through repetition of that process, I never really thought of it at the time as a kid. It was just like, oh, this is cool to hang out with my dad. Uh, But ultimately translated into that really my love of working with visionaries and taking a dream or an idea and making it come alive and become reality. Does your dad still do do that today in terms of get out the old sketch pad? (laughs) Well, well, you know, sometimes, although he's really into pickleball these days, so that's sort of the way he spends his days is he's on the court three hours a day, believe it or not. So not so much anymore, but those are many, many years where he did do that. Oh, that's fantastic. Um, Kelly, I'd love to explore more about how you set and achieve goals. I think a lot of us in our careers think that simply by securing that next job or getting that promotion is going to somehow automatically lead to achieving the goals that we hope for. But for you, Kelly, how intentional is that process of setting and achieving goals? Oh, it's everything. And it's it's ultimately fundamental to EOS, the system. So that's made it easier for me to capture and harness how to do that. But we're very intentional about our process. Every quarter we get together as a leadership team and we're reviewing really what is the most important thing that we can focus on in the coming quarter that culminates to fulfilling our one-year goals. So every annual, we have a set number of three to seven uh, goals for the year. And then we chip away at those quarter over quarter through the rock setting to make those come alive. We also are looking at a three-year picture, you know, visualizing what the company is meant to look like in three years. Part of that is measurables, could be measured in terms of revenue or EBITDA, growth percentages, could be the number of members within our community, satisfaction scores, things of that nature. But then also just painting a picture of what it looks like and feels like being a global community, Um, you know, the number of members that we may have in three years, um, what our platform will look like and who will best serve. And so when you're visualizing, helping teams to visualize the three year without getting too detailed, it helps every single one year set of goals to achieve that three years almost magically. Um, and then we have a ten, well, it could be a 10 year target, but it's ultimately our core target for us. As an example, it's a million companies running on EOS by 2030. So that's your big, hairy, audacious goal. That's the big milestone that everyone's marching toward. And so what it paints, Mark, is this picture of, I know what I'm doing this quarter. Those are called rocks. They run 90 days. What I'm doing this quarter helps us to achieve the one-year goals that we have as an organization. And then the one-year goals culminate to hitting our three-year and then the three-year helps us hit our, our uh, core target. So it's very linear. Um, that doesn't mean the growth is linear toward that, but it's very in alignment and very systematic and predictable. And it's all documented on a two-page simple business plan. So <laughs> I, there was a day I had about a 20 to 30-page business plan every year, and that's been filtered down in EOS. We call that that vision traction organizer I spoke of earlier. And it's encapsulated right there. And I keep it with me to my left side of me every single day so that I can look at it as a filtering mechanism for how we make decisions so that we don't get off track with the goal setting that we have. 
That's another piece of it is being really ruthless in terms of prioritization and not straying from the goals that you define for yourself. How much growth has happened under your leadership at EOS? Well, it's uh, one way to put it is that I was the very first full-time employee eight years wow. ago. So like Jim Whitaker, the mountain climber, was the first, I think he was the first full-time employee at REI, the big uh, mountain climbing supply store. So you're sort of the Jim Whitaker of uh, EOS. <laughs> I love it. Uh, yeah, sort, sort of that. And now today we have over 130 members to our EOS worldwide team. When I came in, there were about 100 EOS implementers or business coaches. We're now over 700. And there's 200,000 companies running on EOS uh today than was the case at the time. Wow. So, um, so it's huge. just been, tr- it's been a tremendous amount of growth. We tend to grow about 40% per year. Hmm. I'm very consistent. Um, Jim Collins would call it the 20 mile March. And that just means that it's the steady consistent growth over time that produces and yields great results. So, wow. um, so that's, that's been really fun. Lots of different things have happened over those eight years and it's really just working within what's happening in the world in the marketplace and adjusting for that over time. When we talked uh, a couple months ago, Kelly, you told me that EOS is all about getting the arrows pointing in the same direction. Mm-hmm. And that really reminded me, I got to know the uh, the marketing uh, guy, for lack of a better term, who was at Nike during the uh, period of the when they came up with the Just, Just Do It uh, slogan. Uh, mm-hmm. A guy named Scott Bedbury, he's from the Seattle area. He had served um, in marketing at, uh, at Starbucks, and so I asked him when he spoke to my Rotary Club in Seattle, I said, Scott, what did you tell the people at Nike when you arrived there? It was a fairly well-oiled machine. But what did you tell them that they didn't already know? And his answer was really interesting. He said, I told them that everything, it's exactly what you just said about EOS. He said, everything that Nike does has to be pointing toward our goal, who we are as an organization, who we are as a company. So every product Every, every study, every, you know, uh, advertising uh, segment, I mean, everything in the company has to go toward that goal. And he said when, when they got, when they, everybody embraced that idea, it made it a lot easier to just run the business because you got to know who you are first and then just get everybody to buy into the idea that that's the filter. That's the lens that we have to that we have to use. So I'm guessing that when you start to work with um, you know company owners in EOS, um, there are probably a lot of companies that are doing a lot of different things. Is that is that a big part of the process to figure out? Hey, we need to stop doing this, this, and that, and just focus on this. Um, sometimes, absolutely. And EOS, no one knows better than EOS implementers who are directly in the trenches working with these entrepreneurs and leadership teams. But absolutely, it's really kind of taking a step back, slowing down. You know, there's the phrase, go slow to go fast. And so through the process of EOS implementation, it does take some time. It's real dedication to slow down a little bit to think about our thinking, essentially, and to think about what it is that we really want for ourselves and to get Again, all energy, all arrows pointed in the same direction. So sometimes entrepreneurs are just doing too much. You're trying to stuff, you know, 10 pounds of material into a five pound bag, or it's just overwhelmingly too much noise happening to produce the result that you're looking for. And more, as we know, is not always better. So it's 
having the discipline and the rigor to focus on what's the most important, the most essentialist things that we can be doing to produce the greatest results rather than doing more stuff that actually ends up not yielding the results that we're looking for. So that's absolutely some things that, uh, implementers will find. And there's lots of different scenarios. There's, you know, however many number of issues that ever existed in the business world. But the thing is, is uh, EOS tools work a lot like Legos. They fit together to help entrepreneurs wherever you start. It doesn't matter. We can meet you where you're at and to take that process step by step to figure out how to best really serve yourself and your own team in a better way. And um, for some, that's a two-year journey. You know, we try to, we, we have a, a system that's designed that we can graduate clients so they can independently work without implementers over a certain period of time. But just as easily, many clients love working with their EOS implementer and it creates an accountability partnership to the results that they're getting over time too. So there's literally a million different scenarios that um, implementers have started with and where they've gone with it. But it's a little, little bit of an overview. Um, I'd love you talked about accountability. I'd love to explore that a little bit more as a leader. Talk about what the balance is between accountability and encouragement, because at the end of the day, if the results aren't there for a business, um, something has to change. Um, can you talk about the difference between accountability and encouragement, and and how mm-hmm. you how you ride that balance? Mm-hmm. Every leader no matter what seat you sit in, if you have even one person reporting to you, the number one most important thing that you can do is what's called LMA. And that stands for leadership plus management equals accountability. So there are certain practices that are required for managers and leaders, being able to predict well and systematize and whatnot. And so when we do those things well, we end up with accountability, meaning that each member of the team has a responsibility to deliver on something. It could be a number. I, Me, I'm responsible for delivering on profitability um, to the organization as an example. So everyone has something that their piece of the puzzle contributes. And when we all do our part and we're all accountable to the thing that we're meant to do in our seat within an accountability chart, then we get the results that we're looking for. So that's accountability. Um, That's really keeping people to their word. When I say I'm going to do something and I'm making a commitment, taking a rock as an example, or I have responsibility or ownership for something, that I'm going to do it and do it well to the best of my capability. And we're going to hold you accountable to that result. And the flip side, encouragement is, you know, what we say at EOS is putting the love into it. So countless research and studies show how much people will work for feeling valued and appreciated in the work that they're doing, sometimes more than the compensation itself. Um, And that's because people really want to be part of something bigger than themselves, to be mission driven. And so the encouragement comes in with helping people to fulfill what their life's journey might be, either with inside the organization or outside the organization. We call that loving people in and loving them out. And so the encouragement is really to be able to live in two different worlds sometimes as a leader manager. One is we're helping individuals to follow their passions, their unique ability, as Dan Sullivan might say with strategic coach, or their personal core focus. What is it that you're on this planet to do, your God-given talent? And where can we harness that here within this organization? That's also paired with what we call the greater good of an organization. And that's serving every word of that VTO or two-page business plan. And 
it's a myth or a misconception, in, in my opinion, that you can only do one or the other. Many people in business believe you can only at any one given time serve the individual or serve the greater good of the organization. When in actuality, if you just slow down and look at it, you can do both simultaneously. It's hard work to do it. It takes courage and you have to dare to enter that to build the culture that you want. But that's where the magic lies. Um, and so that that's the beauty in that process is, you know, with accountability, uh, as a manager, there's also great responsibility that comes with that to help people get what they want from their journey too. So... That's it's so rare that you hear that word love um, in a business context in in America, and it's so refreshing to hear you say that. One of the early guests on this podcast, Howard Bihar, was a former president of Starbucks and helped Howard Schultz grow that company from just a few dozen stores to fifteen thousand at the time, and now I think they're, gosh, twenty five thirty thousand stores now. Um, but he said that if your employees don't love your company. Your customers will never love your company. So the first goal is just to to create an atmosphere where your employees love love the company. And it's it's so cool that you're so uh, open to using that word. Um, let's explore that a little bit more, Kelly. Like I think that it's it seems like a lot of business uh, operators these days have a very binary um, vision of the business that you have to do this and then you get that. And it's like, you know, there's such an emphasis on keeping the bottom line down and, but there's not that, that focus on creating an atmosphere where people feel loved. When you talk to business owners, like what, what is that conversation? Because I'm guessing some will say, well, how do I do that? I mean, I guess it's, is it different for every company? I'm sure it is. You know, uh, actually, we, we've got a book coming out called People Dare to Build an Intentional Culture coming out April of next year, April 2024. Um, and w- that's written by myself, Mark O'Donnell, my business partner, and CJ Dubay, an EOS implementer. And all three of us are really passionate about this because building an intentional culture is the most important thing that you can do, not not just for the bottom line, but for people. And so, you know, every organization probably is different. Everybody has a culture, whether you were intentionally developing it or not is a different story. Um, But at the root of it, Mark, we talk about this definition of greater good. I think this is central to where we're going with the conversation is greater good to us means every word of the VTO or business plan multiplied by genuine care and concern, otherwise known as love, okay? Hmm. Love is not in a romantic sense here, obviously. Love means that in every sense, you are helping your people to feel loved, appreciated, cared for, given the resources, the tools, the technology to be successful. And the reason why that equation is a multiplier is that most businesses hopefully have some form of a business plan. But very few of them actually think intentionally about the genuine care and concern component for everybody within their care. And so there's a, there's a multiplying agent to this that when you multiply those two things together, being focused with every word of your business plan and on the people, this genuine care and concern, that yields the maximum 
enjoyment of the work that's being done and actually the bottom line profitability and results. But ironically, many entrepreneurs, and we can all be guilty of that, is that there's a sense that it's a nice to have. Oh, it's nice to have core values and it's nice to have a positive, you know, intentional culture. The reality is that if you want to be great and have a sustainable business that has any longevity at all, you must put an emphasis on people first and making that culture intentionally good. It should not be command and control where you're having to dictate to people what's happening You can't have a happy accident where it just happens to fall in place because we know that eventually falls apart too. So intentional culture means that there's a lot of focus and uh, impact that's being created and you're, you're really putting a lot of thought into how you're going to do it and it takes time. It's being consistent. It's hard work, but that is the differentiator Um, in my experience of 25 years now of being in business is that is really the secret sauce of building great sustainable companies that win. So if you're looking for a winning company, a winning culture, that's kind of the very simple formula that we've come up with. I've worked with a lot of nonprofits over the years and there's, you know, let's face it, you're not going to get rich working in the nonprofit world. And the thing that's always struck me about the really good nonprofits is they do have that culture. They have that mission. And uh, gosh, they're just so close as a team and they absolutely love what they do. And it's it's proof that I think that the for-profit world should, should take notice of that it's not just about the compensation package that causes people to get out of bed and say, man, I can't wait to get to work today. It's, it's the vision. It's feeling valued. It's feeling heard. Um, so it's so cool to hear you say uh, all those things, Kelly, about what EOS is doing that. Um, in your time in business, what do you think is the biggest obstacle that keeps people from reaching their potential? Well, as an organization, it's really just not having the right people in the right seats. We call that RPRS at EOS Worldwide. So that when we ask entrepreneurs, what's the number one thing that prevents you from reaching your goals? They will say people. It's some form of people issues, right? Not having the right people, not having enough of the right people, not being able to recruit or attract great talent, to retain great talent. It's some form or flavor of that. Um, and, and that's kind of furthers the point about people, how instrumental people are. If, if, you, if you can't get the people thing right, none of the other issues actually matter. So whether it's a data issue, a technology issue, a security issue, a you know, logistics issue, none of those things matter if you don't get the people part right. So I'm guessing you subscribe to the uh, unique ability idea that, that we all, even as employees, we should really be tuned into what we're good at. Um, do you have any advice on the best way to evaluate our own skills? And then how do we how do we build them? Because I work with some people that are really cool and transparent about this. And, and the conversation sometimes is like, well, don't ask me to do that. <laughs> I'm terrible at that. Uh, but I will do this. Um, take us through that, uh, Kelly, in terms of right. like, know thyself. Someone said that's the, the, the beginning of, of uh, all, all knowledge and wisdom is knowing yourself first. That's right. We have an exercise that we do um, at EOS and it's called Delegate and Elevate. And Mark is where you start by creating a laundry list. You go back over the last few weeks and you look at all the activities of the things that you're doing. Okay, You might look at your calendar, look at your notes, look at your journal. And you're just making a list of all the things you do, okay? Um, I'm responding to emails. I'm approving invoices. I'm talking to business partners. I'm 
curating collaborations, um, whatever that might be. You create a huge laundry list of all the things that you do. Then you create basically a two by two matrix. So the big square on a sheet of paper in the upper left-hand quadrant are the things that you absolutely love to do. You have so much fun when you're doing them. You feel like you're sinking into them. You lose track of time because you just love doing them so much and you're really, really good at them. The quadrant just to the right of that are the things that you're really good at. Might not be quite the unique ability of the one in the left-hand corner, but you're really darn good at them and you like doing them. Not love, but you like them. Bottom left quadrant are the things that you're good at, you don't like to do. And the lower right-hand quadrant are the things that you're not good at and you don't like to do them. That's the worst possible combination. So everything that's below the, the midline there are those things that can be delegated away to others who may love to do those things. So the things that I dislike most, other people might love to do those things. That's their unique ability. Um, and the things that I need to be focusing my attention on should be in that upper left-hand quadrant. So every quarter, maybe sooner, if you can do it, you're delegating away something from those bottom two quadrants to get just a little bit closer to living in your unique ability all the time. Sometimes that's delegated to a person. Sometimes it's delegated to a service or automated. And sometimes something just doesn't need to be done anymore and you make it go away. Um, and so that process is what helps... Uh, rather tactically, right? Uh, but to walk it out and to see how you can get just a little closer to living in that unique ability. So let's talk a little bit more about EOS implementers. Um, these are the coaches, right? They are business coaches working with entrepreneurs and leadership teams. That's right. So how are they chosen? And, and really, what, what is the secret sauce in that relationship that those people develop? Well, implementers are everything in our world. They are the, the you know very much the center of our business model, and uh, just so such the, the most amazing community I've ever been a part of. And I felt like before coming here, I was pretty fortunate to know a lot of great groups. But they're just amazing humans who they themselves have been entrepreneurs in many cases, or been on leadership teams, maybe built and sold their business and wondered where the next part of their journey might take them. Uh, it makes them perfectly well-suited to then be an implementer helping organizations do the exact same thing that they learned how to do, often running on EOS, by the way, um, to achieve their goals and targets. So we really are seeking others to join our community that look like our existing EOS implementers. So truth be told, 67% of all new implementers that come into EOS are referrals from our existing U.S. implementers, and that's how we find them most often. Um, we do happen to run into to some in different ponds that meet kind of the requirements of what we're looking for, which are, are people that have that entrepreneurial experience. They have a story that can resonate with an entrepreneur. If you haven't been in the entrepreneurial world, it's hard to connect with and help others in that, that role. A passion and purity for doing EOS purely is another part of that component. And just also having a network and knowing other entrepreneurs that you can help. That's kind of who we're looking for. Oh, that's cool. I always like to ask people, Kelly, because COVID had such a huge impact on just the whole world. Um, how did, how, what was it like managing through COVID? And I'd love to know the sort of the positives and the drawbacks now that we're sort of post-COVID. Um, do you mm -hmm. have any thoughts on that? Absolutely. So it was uh, 
February of 2020 when we hosted our big annual. We had 400 EOS implementers together here in Detroit. And someone raised their hand and said, hey, there's this thing that we're hearing about called COVID. Are we worried about it? At the time, we weren't. But it was just a couple short weeks later that, of course, in March of 2020, that hit. And so being that we, uh, at the time, were very much an in-person organization, hosting in-person events, implementers met with their teams face-to-face in a conference room or somewhere off-site in person. And so quite literally 90% of our revenues and 90% of the activity that we did was in jeopardy because with COVID, none of us could be together. It wasn't safe to do so and all of that. Um, And so we really immediately, Mark, gathered together, uh, banded as a community, all of our EOS implementers, our coaches that coached EOS implementers, our leadership team, our mid-managers, everybody together came to try to solve this problem. And how are we going to continue to help serve entrepreneurs at a time when we can't physically be together? So what we did is we pivoted everything, including our EOS conference with over a thousand attendees, to virtual. Um, And it was obviously really hard because we weren't prepared for that. It's not as though we had notice and could have planned for such a time. And so what we immediately did is said, well, we can't control a lot of things right now. But what we can do is we can help entrepreneurs. So what are we going to do? So we immediately went to um, being on a Zoom or some other interactive mode. We were helping entrepreneurs. We did what's called Lead Now campaigns. And all it was is we invited anyone in the entrepreneurial world that we could help to jump on calls and IDS or issue solve their really their, their darkest, deepest issues that they were having as entrepreneurs and how could we use EOS to help them solve their problems. And so that really was an energizing activity because at a time when you can almost feel paralyzed during a worldwide pandemic, it broke us loose to do what we do best. And that's to help entrepreneurs, whatever the conditions are that are happening in the world. So it was scary at the time because we didn't want the company to go under implementers weren't having sessions, so they couldn't pay us their monthly fees. So we did some concessions and said, hey, don't worry about it. We're going to figure this thing out. Let's just all band together. And that's what we did. And, you know, that is just such a testament to the human spirit of the community coming together to achieve something that never could have been done if we tried to solve it on our own. Um, And we got on the other side of it and we're still growing and thriving today and have, I think, gained great benefit from the the time that we've been able to serve and help others. So it was scary at the time, for sure. It took a lot of courage. There were more sleepless nights than I can count trying to figure out how we were going to survive and get through it. But at the same time, it was also an oddly peaceful time because knowing that we had the strength of a united community of really about 500 people in total, all focused on doing what we could do, um, there's something very disarming about that. It sort of takes the stress or the anxiety out of it because we're focused on a peaceful activity, which is just helping others. So there's a lot of irony in all of that, I guess I would say, Mark, but it was uh, a time now that maybe it's sort of like childbirth. You'd look back later and you're like, oh, that wasn't so bad. Um, But I sort of look back and think it was really hard, but it was a beautiful experience in that we came out of it even stronger than we had entered COVID. Yeah, that's, that's, that's a great, Great story, Kelly, because, um, yeah, I mean, the most learning happens during the greatest challenges. And um, it speaks to the to the sort of glue that you 
all have become in the entrepreneurial world that you this this glue and this this community that you've you've built the more entrepreneurs that i talk with the more tell me that it's all about relationships and i think when we first get out of college and we uh, enter the working world we really underestimate the value of who you know and what is your relationship with that person I'd love for you to talk to maybe that young person just coming out of school now about the value of relationships and what's the best way to build those relationships in a genuine way. Mm, that's great. I couldn't agree with that sentiment more and that relationships really are everything. And, and when I think about relationships, I do think about this genuine interest and intrigue and learner personality component to this. So Sometimes when you're younger, it's all about, well, how do I get my next stepping stone to further my own journey, like to become better in my, to get a promotion or to do something. And, and so my encouragement for young people, really for all people is just to slow down and just enjoy the conversations that you have with other people without necessarily having a goal of an outcome of that conversation. Um, and some of the best collaborations and partnerships that we've ever had um, here within our own company at US Worldwide and those that I've had even outside were all born out of just genuine curiosity for understanding other people, getting to the root of, you know, sort of what they've learned about life, what's made them successful. Um, also sharing failures. Some of the greatest gifts are like, how did that not work out so well? And so if we're not winning, sometimes maybe we're learning. And that's another quote by Dan Sullivan is, you know, are you on the winning team or the learning team? The good news is in either case, it's something good will come from it. <laughs> and so, uh, so just be willing to step in and have co different conversations with different people. And you'll be amazed at what you may learn and what will come from it. And I have a relationship with someone that I've been in, had been in business with for 28 years now. And we are still really close and we'll bounce ideas off of each other. So absolutely, it is it is the everything to 10x in your business is the idea of relationships, collaborations, and partnerships. It's all that's all where it sits. Yeah, and those relationships where you come into the conversation, like you just said, not asking what can I get out of it, but what can I do to help you? And that's when when I've looked at the really, really successful business people. Um you know, my boss, Dan Rogers at Work P2P, has a saying where he says, we'll help people for fun and for free. And then we become so valuable to them that they'll want to give us money. And it's so true that when you have that attitude of service, that uh, it really, it just really makes a playing field that feels good and, and mm -hmm. feels good in that relationship. Yeah. And I, I would just say to that, it's have a genuine interest in people. Um, I am always super excited to know what makes other people tick and what their experiences are and to just enjoy that conversation. It really is fun. Um, it shouldn't be tedious. It shouldn't be hard. Um, and, you know, again, I think if I were to go back and tell my 21 year old self graduating from college, like, what you know, what, there'd be a couple of things. One is I would tell myself one step at a time, just take one step at a time, just one little step forward and don't worry about the rest, just one step at a time. And then the second piece is just exactly that, is to just put the love into the relationships and getting to know people because it is truly born out of that journey that the best things will come. And again, you don't have to have it all figured out. It's just going to become made known as you go through your journey. 
Um, and I think that would have probably given me some reassurance to some of the early stage anxieties I had coming out of college and being a new business person. That's such great advice. And as you were saying that, Kelly, it just kind of reminds me of who I was earlier in my career. I think if I had to go back and, and tell an earlier version of myself, I would have said, hey, relax and believe in who you are and, and stop trying to convince others of what you think they want to see. It's like, you know, just we spend so much of our energy and our time trying to convince other people that we're the right person for that next promotion or that, that next job instead of just right. resting in our ability and having that that really attractive confidence. And I, I, I think that people who are truly confident are truly attractive in the world and you want to spend time with them because it doesn't feel like it's a, it's an energy drain. It feels like, wow, this is a really cool person um, that, that you really want to spend time around. That's I was really impressed, Kelly, with our pre-interview survey that you filled out when we asked, how are you redeeming work? And you really gave an eloquent answer. And I, I, I'd love for you to kind of restate that. You said the gift for all of us is in the journey in how we show up in the world every day. Um, as you talk about what it is to redeem work, um, mm -hmm. talk to that business owner about your vision for what redeemed work looks like. Yeah, and I, I think that we're all on this journey. And as a leader, an entrepreneur, a visionary, an integrator, whatever role you serve, it's that if you can wake up every day just having a laser focus on being a beacon of light in the world. And I know that seems very like philosophical, but every day I wake up with two things, love and gratitude for the work that I get to do. Not that I have to do it, that I get to do that every day. And that what is the one small thing that I might only be able to do one small thing today um, to make a difference in someone's life. And uh, we can all do that. It doesn't matter what industry we're in, what kinds of clients we have, where we're located geographically, none of that really matters. And so it's, to me, very simple, again, very philosophical, but it really truly is just showing up every day as the best version of ourselves that we can be, which is, by the way, completely imperfect. Um, in every way possible. Um, but I, I believe that more good comes from having that perspective and waking up that way with that intention. Again, it's about intentionality. And I can't tell you how many things I've been forgiven that of all the gajillion mistakes that I've made over the years, I've been given so much grace because I'm showing up every day with the intention to do the right thing uh, for others and for those in my care. And so I think if we can all just, you know, in a world that is often very complex and very challenging, if you just look around and open up the news, you'll see it every single day. What can we do in the entrepreneurial space and otherwise just as humans to show up and to, to really unite and strengthen those around us? That's really the way that I look at it. Well, as we wrap things up, Kelly, this has been so uh, fun to spend some time with you. Um, if there's one book that you could suggest from the EOS community. Uh, can you suggest a book and also just how people can get a hold of you if they, if they want to? Sure. So I would absolutely recommend sort of the, the first core book to EOS that's called Traction by Gina Wickman and uh, can be found on uh, Barnes and Noble, Amazon, or what have you anywhere. And you can find me on LinkedIn, Kelly Knight, EOS Worldwide. And uh, all my other contact information is in my profile there. 
And I have to ask you one more time that audacious goal that you have. Where, where do you want to take EOS? So EOS is a million companies running on EOS by 2030. Not too far off. Well, we'll have to check back in when that happens, yeah, okay? please do. This has been so rewarding talking with you, Kelly, just your approach to business and your approach to life. Um, super inspiring. And uh, it's not a surprise that you've seen the success that you have after spending this time with you. So keep up the great work, Kelly. Thanks for joining us on Beats Work. Thank you, Mark. It's been such a pleasure. I'm Mark Wright. Thanks for listening to Beats Working, part of the Work P2P family. New episodes drop every Monday. And if you've enjoyed the conversation, subscribe, rate, and review this podcast. Special thanks to show producer and web editor Tamar Medford. In the coming weeks, you'll hear from our Contributors Corner and Sidekick Sessions. Join us next week for another episode of Beats Working, where we are winning the game of work.